0: Hi, I'm Mac.
1: Hi, I'm Abigail.
0: And this is Unsubs. This is the podcast where we recap each episode of Criminal Minds and then we rate and review And today we are recapping season one, episode 13. Right? Yes.
1: <laughs> you oh. got this. I've got this. Uh, poison. I think let's we'll keep that in for authenticity's sake. Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh <laughs> this is, I think this'll be my like fun fact of the day, but this is the first episode. Actually, I guess this is technically the second episode we've recorded since the show has come out cuz we had such a backlog of episodes and we did actually record the next episode already, uh, yeah. Already, like a month ago. <laughs> so I'm all fucked up. Yep. <laughs> well, <laughs> we like recorded episodes 1 through 12 in the span of like 2 weeks. And then we recorded episode 14, which is the next episode. Which we have a guest on. Which we have a guest on. So we recorded that with her and that was so much fun. And also Mm -hmm. will definitely be the longest episode. For sure. For sure. And now we're recording episode 13 and also episode 15. So we got to get back (laughs) in the mode of it. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so that was my fun fact of the day. Abby, would you like to share your fun
1: fact of the day? Um, this is, I feel like I had a whole list of like fun facts to pull from that would have been like exciting and everything. But all I can think of right now is like full disclosure. I did stay up till 5 a.m. last night and here we are. So, (laughs) oh my God.
0: (sighs) I'm just like a fucking nightmare. (laughs) I'm
1: just wild like that, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, um, just a uh, full disclosure, we in no way are related to the... Cri- the
1: <laughs> Just We're full- in no way associated.
0: <laughs> Just full disclosure, we are in no way associated with the show Criminal Minds, which since we started the podcast is possibly, probably coming back. Uh, I and- know. I was <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Crazy. So that updates on that whenever we get them. But let's get in let's get into this episode season one, episode thirteen, poison. We open on a car driving in Beachwood, New Jersey during a rainstorm. We see father and son Eric and Jack Fisher returning home from a movie. I hate when they
1: spell Fisher like that. It just fills me with a lot of anger because it looks like Fitcher. Like Fisher, but it's Fisher. I hate the English language. Okay, sorry. Go on. <laughs> We've got a lot of pages worth of notes,
0: Abby, to get through.
1: I don't know. We I should. did. I didn't cut you off, though. I let you finish. So you know what? We're moving up. We're 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 about to get so professional up in here.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm just. I'm moving past it. Uh, Jack Fisher. Fisher. Jack Fisher, the dad, swerves off the road when he sees a deer, and then he pulls over because he thinks he has a flat tire from swerving, and he gets out the tire iron from the back and starts attempting to fix the tire when he's attacked by something that we can't see. We just hear growling, and it's like kind of found footage camera work. Um, and all this time, I'm just sitting there like, if I had a flat tire, I'd be calling AAA. I do not know how to.
1: I feel like that's like a skill that we should learn to do, but it's just so put off. That's, yeah, I, I'm like, I should learn to do that anyway. Yeah, we we got AAA.
0: <laughs> so I would call AAA. Okay, but Jack is like, no, bro, I got this until I'm attacked by this monster. Um, and we just kind of hear her screaming and his son gets out of the car. Uh, and then we cut to the next morning and a state trooper finds the car and Jack is still inside and he's like clearly traumatized and there's blood everywhere and... The trooper thinks that he's like drugged up um and then the state trooper fi- finds um Eric's body which is like beaten up and unconscious or dead we don't know. We cut to the BAU headquarters in Quantico, Virginia. The BAU team is on the case. We learn that Mr. Fisher sure. Fisher 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 ingested a large amount of LSD.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. my <The> mess was <laughs> ripping.
0: Abby, a child is hospitalized. How could you laugh at a time like this? <laughs> You were the one who laughed first. Because it's ridiculous. I'm sorry. We'll get into it in a moment. So six other victims have also ingested similar large amounts of LSD. Each victim received 10 to 20 times the usual dose, or as Goob says, enough to kill a small child.
1: I guess this child wasn't small enough to get got then. (laughs) Well, no, but another child. But
0: technically the LSD didn't kill the child. The child just fell out of a tree Uh, (laughs) and that put her in a, a coma.
1: And we actually we, are- <laughs> we never find out if she lives. They said we like EDM. We're getting ready for an EDM concert. Come on. One of the other victims, Gail Norman, is dead. That that name bothers me because it looks like it's the reverse of Neil Gaiman. Um <laughs> sorry. <laughs> what the fuck is the matter
0: with you today? <laughs> I was up so 5 a.m. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: oh my and- gosh.
0: Uh, <laughs> so one of the other victims, Gail Norman, is dead. But, Gail Norman. but Norman. But don't worry. It wasn't the LSD. She just got high off the LSD and then ran into the middle of the road and was hit by a car. And that's how <laughs> she died. It wasn't the LSD. I can't handle this episode. And then also Brittany Cannon who was nine years old, fell out of the tree because she was high on LSD and she was like, you know what would be really cool right now is to climb into a tree. These kids and their drugs. And she fell out and she's in a coma because she's got a fractured skull. Why don't you share the, the profile of the poisoner?
1: Okay, so there are four types of poisoners and they target multiple victims. So the true believer... The political terrorist or the religious cult, extortionist, um, and that's like product tamper who holds a business hostage in exchange for money, prankster, usually a young offender who doesn't mean any harm, and adventure person with a personal vendetta who uses poison as his method of murder. The true believer, extortionist, and inventor usually first test the scheme out on like a small scale before going after their real targets. So that means the BAU has to act super fast. So
0: essentially the BAU thinks that this LSD is a test run and they just have to figure out how, you know, how, number one... Where this LSD was do where people were dosed by this LSD, and number two, how the poisoner is related to that specific initial dosing site, and then number three, who the intended target or intended audience is. So we meet Detective Hanover of the Beechwood PD. Hotch and Gideon meet with uh, Jack Fisher to uncover more about the way he was dosed and how that could relate to the serial killer. Um, he's currently in a psych ward. He asks Gideon, shrink or cop? And Gideon says, a little bit of both. Jack and Eric's mother are both divorced, and Jack's still pretty upset about the fact that Eric's mother cheated on him. But Gideon believes that Jack would not have hurt his son, Eric, if he had not been drugged out of his mind with LSD. We also learned that most of the victims were also drugged with rohypnol, which is also known as the date rape drug. They mentioned it a lot in this episode. Um, but like I feel like our generations are very familiar with rohypnol being the date rape drug but in case you aren't familiar the idea is that if someone doses you with it you have amnesia and you can't remember either the events that happened to you at all or very clearly
1: yeah it's like you kind of will forget what happened like a lot of the time and maybe i'm not going to explain this well but a lot of the time it's like you'll be drugged and you'll forget how you came about to be drugged um and then all the events following that until you like wake up
0: the Poisoner wanted to drug people with LSD, but he also drugged them with hypnose so they couldn't remember where they were dosed with LSD. It was just a potent cocktail. And the BAU believe that this Poisoner is a prankster type, so possibly a high school kid who does not have, like, serious evil motives the team learns that the victims were likely all drugged at a cafe. Four out of the six victims were customers there. Nell Truco, Truco, I have no idea. Nell Truco, she's the owner of the cafe. Um, the BAU asks her if she knows about any high school kids, like young punk types, that may have <laughs> dosed everyone with LSD. And she says she doesn't know any high school kids, but they should talk to one of her bus boys. Danny Wallace, because he is a high school kid. So the BAU find out that Danny Danny Wallace skipped school and didn't go to work, and they're trying to find him. Elle visits his girlfriend Samantha DeForio's house, because Samantha also skipped school. Danny actually calls Samantha while Elle is at the house. And at first he's like, you know, what's going on? And then he's like, don't tell the police anything. Elle believes that he's nearby, so she runs out and she finds him trying to get away on his motorcycle. She arrests him and she says, This isn't what you had in mind when you skip school today, huh, Danny? <laughs> Amazing. So Elle and Detective Hanover interrogate Danny. Elle accuses him of drugging the cafe's milk. <laughs> I don't, they have no evidence that. <laughs> I don't know, but she's like, did you drug the cafe's milk, Danny, and and then and then attack your girlfriend, Samantha, and drug her? And Danny denies everything and says that Samantha was acting like she was drugged, and he didn't do anything to her, but she started attacking him, which is why he had to, like, hold her down. And Goob says that Danny seems too scared not to be telling the truth. So I guess he didn't do it. Case closed. (laughs) Case closed. (laughs) Um, Then the BAU discuss possible motives and realize that the crime is actually so much more sophisticated than they first (laughs) thought. Although they had all of that information to begin with, so then they decide that the poisoner type is not the prankster,
1: it's the Avenger. Again, leaps and bounds, jumping through hoops, but here we go. But but just like to go back to that though, like
0: I feel like the idea that it was a prankster from the get-go, I mean, I just don't know how you could think that a high school kid could have like such high doses of lsd and have like the forethought to come up with this type of like serious
1: crime how would they afford it yeah lsd is expensive kids also like why would you target like a father and who's divorced father and his son like it would be a bunch of like other high schoolers who'd be getting like fucked up if it was a high schooler but i digress also,
0: it would be LSD plus roll hypno. So now you're like really rolling out the big bucks. And busboys make money, but they don't make good enough money for you to be like shooting your load on all of these drugs and then throwing them away on other people. If you're going to buy LSD, you got to use it yourself if you're a high
1: schooler. <laughs> Literally. Like also like what is the minimum wage in New Jersey? They can't afford this.
0: Oh, and what what year was this released? I'm going to look it up right now. Season 1 Criminal Minds. I'm going to say 2007. 2005. So the minimum wage in New Jersey. Was $5.15 per hour. Oh, my God. And it was raised to $6.15 per hour October 2005. But let's also remember that if you are under 17, you are not allowed to exceed, like, 20 hours of work. Actually, I forget how many hours it is, but you can't – you're not working full time. You're in school. So, like, that's not a lot of money.
1: That's nothing.
0: (laughs) So – Come on, get it
1: together, guys. A high schooler, bottom line, is not going to be able to afford LSD or hypnol. Like, uh-uh. So they go into, they like we said, they decide that uh, this poisoner type is an Avenger. I can't say that with a straight face. Okay. And so uh, they would be, uh, they are an Avenger, so they would be motivated by revenge. They would be a local resident and they would act alone or may have been, been, oh my god, they would act alone or may have been manipulated by someone close to him who would have likely been quote-unquote disposed of. So they say that they would be a cautious, deliberate, high-functioning male between the ages of 35 to 50. They also chose LSD for a reason, because he feels that he has been misperceived by society. Um And he uses the combination of LSD and hypnol to cover his tracks, so... He's intelligent. This attack was a test run, and he likely does not have a criminal record, but has filed a civil lawsuit or criminal action on his true intended victim, possibly someone connected to the cafe that they believe the poison came from.
0: Yeah. It's um, hmm. it's a lot
1: of leaps and bounds. <laughs> Again, acrobatic, acrobatic flips through hoops to get to some of these conclusions. The latest
0: victim is Lynn Dempsey. However, she was not poisoned by LSD and roll hypnol. She was poisoned by botulism. And she dies and she goes, the eh. The eh. And we're like, the end, bitch? <laughs> but we don't know. And apparently, botulism is like the deadliest toxin known to man. It paralyzed it paralyze victim. That's what it said in the episode anyway. I don't I don't fucking know. It paralyzes victims and blocks a set of set of, it blocks something and it basically chokes you to death because you can't breathe. Um and without an antitoxin, it will kill you within 36 hours. So unfortunately, um the hospital is trying to find out what's wrong with Lynn Dempsey, but they don't figure out its botulism until it's too late to save her. But then Reed also says that botulism is used in Botox, so it's super common and easy for people to get their hands on. And I was like, the fuck? Hello? <laughs> Hello? Uh, mm, yeah, no, no, thank you. No me gusta with that. Um, so Morgan and Elle realized that the cafe is not the place that the people were poisoned at. And they realized this by just having like a convo, like a really good convo. They realized that the place where everyone was poisoned was the first New Jersey federal bank, which is actually right across the street from the cafe, because one of the victims of the poisoner said that he went there before he went to the cafe. So Morgan and Elle watch the security tapes from the bank and realized that all of the victims were in the bank before they were poisoned and they're trying to figure out what they all touched or came in contact with and they see this bowl of like candy you know how like banks always have like a bowl of like bank candy like hard ass candies that you don't want to eat but they're there. Or they
1: will sometimes give you like when you're a kid like a little lollipop if you go in there with your ki- or with your parents. Yeah. Like bank candy.
0: Who knows how yes. long it's been sitting there?
1: Oh, 30 years at least. Yes.
0: <laughs> so, it looks like they see they see Lynn Dempsey touching the candy, but it looks like she's actually the one She's, she's on camera taking out the old bank candy and replacing it with like new bank candy that's probably laced with LSD and roll hypnol. So they're like, damn, is Lynn the poisoner? And she just got like a taste of her own medicine and fucked up. So they look into Lynn Dempsey's background. They learn that she worked for Hitchcock Pharmaceuticals. And the BAU realizes that she was probably the unsub's accomplice that was like killed off. So they think, okay, so the 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 connection now is Hitchcock Pharmaceuticals. The unsub must have worked at some point for this company. So of course it's like Garcia, work your magic. And she can't pull up a list of anyone who was fired, but she does find a list of 30 employees who were downsized and shipped off to like lay-mass third-party companies, like subsidiaries of Hitchcock Pharmaceuticals. Not only is it a Poisoner Avenger, but it is also a Workplace Killer.
1: (laughs) A Workplace Killer is someone who doesn't give themselves up, they lost empathy and a moral compass, they will take out anybody to move forward in their cause, they will also most likely kill themselves and stay close to their potential victims. We then
0: learned that Lynn Dempsey applied for a loan at the bank, the the first New Jersey bank of whatever, was denied for her loan, and her partner in crime, the unsub, had their patent rejected because uh, Hitchcock Pharmaceuticals had already applied for the patent on the anti-aging technology PCO99. And they learned that the unsub is Edward Hill, And the BAU and New Jersey SWAT team swarm his lab and take him into custody. And I guess he's not a workplace killer now. He's just an Avenger. The unsub has a vendetta against Hitchcock Pharmaceuticals. And he says, they took... (laughs) Stop. (laughs) They took everything from me. Fruits of my labor best years of my life. They took my family. And when there was nothing left to take, they took two thirds of my salary and my health insurance. So they have the unsub. They know how the initial test run was conducted. So they're like, Who are the final targets? Who were you actually trying to attack? And now they know that he is going to use botulism, not LSD. So he used the LSD and roll hypnob because those people were like innocent bystanders, even though grandma did run out into the middle of the road and was hit by a car. (laughs) Grandma got run over by a
1: car. That's what was my first
0: thought. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, um, so he. So Edward admits that he spiked the punch at this big office party that Hitchcock Pharmaceuticals was having. So the BAU shows up and they're like, don't drink that. And everyone's given the antitoxin and survives. Yay. Yay. But Goobs is like, wait, one of the original victims was diabetic and wouldn't have taken the candy from the bank. (laughs) We're now like, 38 minutes into the episode, I'm like, okay, all Another right. Another twist. Yeah. Incredible. Get up, uh, go in the bathroom, get a glass of water, come back, get ready. <laughs> so so Goobs discovers that Lim Dempsey poisoned the candy, but also poisoned the, dis- the deposit envelopes. They only got, only one person was infected via the envelopes. But everyone else was infected via the candy. But then Lynn Dempsey was also infected by botulism at some other point. What a cocktail of poison. And then they realized as Lynn Dempsey was dying, she was trying to say the envelopes, not the end. The punch was a decoy, just like the candy. Um, and because this whole thing was so ridiculous and I, I just couldn't, I actually recorded this some parts of this scene oh that I would like to play because I just couldn't handle it. So hold on.
1: Oh I'm so excited. I think what you were saying was the envelopes. I mean, what was it that Hill was actually testing? The Rohitnol, the LSD? The delivery system exactly. Bodulin and toxin and LSD are the only two substances in the world toxic enough to be affected in doses as small as one thousandth of a gram, small enough to fit on the glue strip of an envelope. But the CDC didn't find any evidence of poison on the envelopes, they wouldn't have. The envelopes were destroyed after the checks were deposited and processed. So, like, the Hill was using the candy to throw us off to cover his tracks. Distract us from the fact that he was testing the envelopes. What I can't figure out is why would he test the envelopes to poison the punch? Because the punch is a decoy just like the candy.
0: The punch is a decoy just like the candy. Because
1: <laughs> the punch is a decoy just like the candy. The punch is a decoy. Comma. Just, just like, a like candy. the candy. Because the punch is a decoy just like the candy. <laughs> I love that someone was paid to write these words. Ooh, what what a fucking script there, bud.
0: Um anyways, so as they discover this, Edward kills himself the party at Hitchcock pharmaceuticals was a decoy because only lower level staff was there. And there was really no reason for the unsub to attack them. Cause they didn't, they're not the ones that decided that his th- that stole his patent idea. And we still don't know if Hitchcock pharmaceuticals really did that. The Hitchcock corporate executives are the real targets and they're out on a corporate retreat in the middle of the woods, licking envelopes without their cell phones. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Because that's what people
0: do. <laughs> There's an iconic line, shut up and lick it, Bob. <laughs> oh, my God. And the and the BAU shows up to save the day just as all the executives are, like, you know, very ill. And part of me was kind of like, you know, like, let capitalism burn. <laughs> <laughs> let it burn, you know? Let it burn. Like, I'm kind of like, ah. you know, I don't think he should have killed Lynn Dempsey, But you know, and I think it's unfortunate that grandma got hit by a car and two kids are in a coma, but like I'm kinda like "Mm," you know, like the rich. Yeah, eat the fucking rich. Eat (laughs) um, I also wanted to share this great quote. The quote is before you embark on a journey of revenge, dig two graves. (laughs) Oh my god. So uh,
1: what a what an episode there Bud. <laughs> what an episode. Um, I'll get into my little profile a bit. There wasn't a whole lot to explore because most of the like poison stuff was like already covered. Um, but something uh, that they did mention on the uh, Criminal Minds Wikipedia page for this unsub specifically was that he's a wound collector. So I did a little, uh, did a little bit—not a deep dive, like a shallow dive—into what a wound collector is. So a wound collector is a pathology that re- is referring to a criminal who uses like slights, grievances, as wrongdoings, uh, as a way to justify their violence. So this term is usually uh, used to refer to people who are motivated by like terrorist ideology, but it can also be applied to any kind of criminal. Normal, regular, regular people can fall under this categorization if they habitually bring up their grievances. So, we see wound collectors join cults, be cult leaders, and also be people who join hate groups. So, Jim Jones of, like, Jonestown fame would be considered a wound collector because he kept tabs on those around him in society and those who didn't appreciate his grandeur. And, like, especially, like, hate groups and organizations because it's like, oh, that person, you know, they accidentally like you know bumped into me when we were walking summer how dare they like it it could be as minor as that to like something that's a little bit more like yeah so there's there's a lot so the opposite of a wound collector would be someone who turns the other cheek accepts life and others and like does not hold grudges Common traits would be people who don't forgive and forget easily, where there's no closure. Hypersensitive to slights, accidental or unintentional. They almost seek out slights where others have been victimized. And then, like I said before, they may belong to hate groups. And this is especially prevalent with people who are, like, paranoid. So it's not a super widely known or written about, like, phenomenon. Um but like it is very real and they really make life miserable for those who are around them. And as we know and have seen, they can become very dangerous. How do we know them? By their words and their actions, especially their inflexible collection of slights and wounds that support their belief system or pathologies and that they would then use against anyone they choose. And so for that, it makes the rest of us uh, unpleasant life when we it gives us an unpleasant life when we cross their paths so I just thought that was kind of interesting um, and it's kind of scary how easily that can be applied to so many people so let's uh, let's rate rate,
0: rate yeah. the episode can I just give everything a 5
1: like right off the bat I mean if that's what you really want I'm mean, being so decisive right now. I mean, I I'm, that's kind of a turn on. I mean <laughs> just give it a twenty-five. Diggs will listen to this and be like, holy shit, she's never made so many decisions so quickly in her life.
0: I mean, it's kind of like a like a, a Libra thing to be indecisive, but if we give this a twenty-five, it gets a worse score than natural born killer. Yes. As it should. Oh wow! Okay, you're you're throwing one in for the
1: rats. Yes. Okay. The rats is better. Follow us on all the
0: socials at Uncensored Podcast follow my blog, yournewapartment.tumblr.com, podcast, Your New Apartment, which isn't really happening anymore, but I've got like 54 episodes, so
1: you'll listen to that backlog of content. And you can listen to my solo podcast, which Mark has also guested on Between Stage and Scream podcast, and you can also follow me on Instagram at Between Stage and Scream podcast. If I could say the name, oh my god, at Between Stage and Screen Podcast. Next episode is our first ever guest. It's a great episode.
0: It's an amazing episode. Um, it's an amazing
1: like episode from. from On Our Part, but also like the episode itself from Criminal Minds